0: When you meet His Holiness, you wear a white silk scarf called a kata, K-A-T-A-H. And you take it off, you hand it to him. um, He blesses it and puts it back around your shoulders. Actually, you hold it in namaste pose. He takes it from your hand. After he put the scarf on, the kata on, he hugged me. Mm. And I have never in my life experienced a hug quite like this.
1: Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. My name is Roger Williams, and as the host of this show, I will be interviewing guests, people just like you, that are crossing items off their own bucket list. My hope is that by hearing these stories, you will be inspired and empowered to cross items off your own bucket list now let's start crossing it off together Welcome everybody to the Crossing Off Podcast. I'm excited today for this episode. A lot of times we put on our list some things that we think might not happen. I know on my list I have the extra in a Star Wars TV show or movie, and it's kind of what I would call a stretch bucket list item. And uh, our guest may have thought that when she first started this journey, but definitely wound up she was able to accomplish it, which is awesome. So my guest today is... Edie Weinstein, and she describes herself as, excuse me, a psychotherapist, journalist, author of The Bliss Mistress Guide to Transforming the Ordinary into the Extraordinary, a speaker and a marketing professional. Edie, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah. So Edie, tell us, what is this thing that some of us (laughs) might think is a stretch uh, item on our bucket list? What is it
0: that you crossed Mm. off? Okay. On July 17th, of 2008, I interviewed His Holiness the Dalai Lama when he came to Philadelphia.
1: Wow that to me um, interview or not just just being in the presence there I think is you know could be on someone's list, maybe not the interview part but so how, tell us where did that desire where did that the the want to do that to interview his Holiness come from for you? in
0: 1988 um, I co-founded a magazine called visions. My husband, um, who has since passed, and I created it. We did it for 10 years. And my primary role was to interview notables in the field of holistic health, wellness, spirituality, social justice, and I loved it. Um, I have no background or training in journalism. It was just um, a desire and some ability, people might say, you know, to to write the interview. And I interviewed people like Shirley MacLaine, Dennis Weaver, Ram Das. Um, ben and Jerry, the ice cream guys. Mm-hmm. Who else? Um, Dan Millman, Bernie Siegel, Deepak Chopra. So, kind of the movers and shakers in, in the metaphysical fields. And I thought I would love to interview His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And that was more than twenty years prior to the actual mm-hmm. interview that yeah. I had that thought. So that's that's where the idea came from. He's an embodiment of peace, of connection, of compassion. And I wanted to experience that feeling with him and also to translate it for people that had never met him. So I wanted to help, help the world know more about the man behind the the iconic image.
1: So 20 years is a long time to have that sitting out there. What came about? How did the universe align in such a way that you were able to accomplish that? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, first of all, I am surrounded by a whole bunch of yay sayers, very few Mm -hmm. naysayers. So anytime I would mention it, people in my life would say, oh, we know it'll happen someday. Nobody said, nah, what are you talking about? This will never happen. So that was the first step is putting it out there into the world and saying, I'm going to do this. I don't know how, I don't know when it's going to happen. And then I created a vision board. And for those who don't know what that is, you know, piece of poster board with pictures, words cut out from magazines that's a collage that describes, it's kind of an anchor for what you want. So I put his picture on there. And one of my friends said, well, why don't you take a photograph of yours, cut it out, Mm -hmm. put it next to his for proximity. I said, all right, good idea. Then somebody else said, why don't you write down questions as if you're going to have the opportunity to interview him tomorrow. So I was acting as if it was a done deal. And it's not fake it till you make it. There was no fake involved in it at all. But it was acting as if, I knew it was going to happen. The hardest part was letting it go as it is with everything that we manifest. Got to let it go. Cause I had no control over when it would happen.
1: Sure. So
0: fast forward to, I think like 2005 um, his holiness was coming to New Brunswick, New Jersey to speak at, at uh, Rutgers university. And that was my alma mater. And I thought, Oh, how cool is this? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great to be able to interview him when he's there? And the people that were bringing him in knew that I, Help promote stuff. So they said, Would you be willing to get the word out about this event? And I said, Sure. And by the way, is he granting interviews? No, you're not granting interviews, but I said, All right, I'll do it anyway. So I forget what day it was. I went to Rutgers Stadium, where there were something like 20,000 people in the stands. And I walked around the stadium with a tape recorder and I asked people, why they were there and what he meant to them. I don't remember where the article was published. At the end of the day, they gave us these postcards with his picture on it, and I taped it to the dashboard of my Jeep at the time. So here he was with me in the car, and on you know on the um, vision board. So his presence was there. I did a lot of reading about him. I watched YouTube videos. felt you know feeling a connection. So fast forward to late 2007, and my friend Greg Schultz, to whom I, to who I am um, eternally indebted, and he knows this, was the, um, the event producer bringing His Holiness into Philadelphia. And he said, would you be willing to help me promote it? And I said, sure. And by the way, is he granting <laughs> it? Nope. Okay, I'll do it anyway. So um, as we got closer, it was like playing the kids' game we're getting warmer we're getting warmer he said i can't guarantee it but there's a possibility that i could help you arrange an interview and in july the beginning of july of 2008 i was at an outdoor music festival um, called the exponential music festival it was part of um, wxpn which is my favorite member supported station in philly and i was standing with two friends one was a photographer and the phone rang and it was greg I picked up the phone And he said, are you sitting down? I said, should I be? He said, yes, take off July 16th and 17th. You got the interview. And by the way, you're the only journalist in Philadelphia that he's granting an interview to. I screamed into the phone (laughs) (laughs) and my photographer friend snapped the picture. So my immediate response was a combination of, can I use the S word? Sure. Um, Holy shit, abject terror and orgasmic bliss. So what I say is, when in doubt, go for the orgasmic bliss. And then imposter syndrome kicked in. And I thought, uh uh-oh, what if I can't do it? What if I lose my voice? What if I forget? All that.
1: So how did you prepare for the interview? How did, you know, it's something you've been looking forward to for a long time which is yeah. awesome. Uh, you did all this research. We're thinking most of us, no matter what the bucket list item is, we do that, right? Like I spent hours upon hours, you know, researching the yep. Camino de Santiago or, you know, finding places to visit or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, we, we tend to merge ourselves into to that thing. Yep. But now you actually have the interview in hand. You're going to be doing right. it. What were some of the things you did to like prepare for that experience? Well,
0: the first thing that I did after hearing about it, a day later, <clears throat> Greg called me back and he said, you still have the interview, but they want his. They want someone from the Philadelphia Inquirer to join you. So you don't think I said, well, if I can't have an exclusive, I don't want it. Sure. So I got in contact with the other person and we met up the day prior to the interview. And we were looking around at all these other reporters. And we said, um, you know, these people don't know that tomorrow at this time, we're gonna be with his holiness. Now he had granted us 15 minutes each with our photographers. And I, I did the article for um, the Doylestown Intelligencer, which is a, a county regional paper, not the Philadelphia Inquirer, not, you know, not this big name thing. So I've said, David, what about in the spirit of cooperation, we go in together, and we get a whole half hour. So that was part of my prep. The other part was polishing those questions and when I wrote the questions, I didn't want to do the typical q and A. I didn't want to do the political you know, stuff. I wanted to know him as a person. Was I, you know, I, I thought I will never have another opportunity to be in his presence where I have his undivided attention. And I, so I wrote the questions. And I told everybody in my life, I got it. Um, now, the day before, he was speaking at the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia, a big you know, concert hall. And my father had died in April of that year. My mother was still living and she's down in Florida. So um, we were also celebrating his holiness's 75th birthday, I think. And they had this huge sheet cake that they brought in. Um, We sang happy birthday and it was one candle in the middle. And I don't think it's a Tibetan ritual to blow out a birthday candle. So he started to cut the cake and we were yelling, you know, uh, blow out the candle, blow out the candle. So he cut the cake. We each got a piece. I got the last piece. I brought it into the, the lobby and I called my mother. I said, guess what you and I are doing? We're eating the Dalai Lama's birthday cake. <laughs> so I got to share that experience with my mother, which was extraordinary. So I prepared a lot also by praying, saying, okay, please, please, please. You gave me this opportunity. Don't let me blow it. <laughs> you
1: know? And so when you're in there, you actually get those 30 minutes with this other person. Um, <laughs> reporter, which is cool to collaborate like that. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like as far as asking questions and receiving mm-hmm. answers? And how, how did you deal with things that maybe you weren't expecting him to say back to you or that took, you know, I mean, a very astute person for sure. And so the answers have to be a little bit above par as far as interviewing mm-hmm. folks. Was there any sense that like Um, oh my gosh, that's like an incredible thing he just said, or it was just standard,
0: his holiness type stuff. Well, I walked in, first of all, into the hotel room. He was at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia, big fancy hotel. And when you meet his holiness, you wear a white silk scarf called a kata, K-A-T-A-H, and you take it off, you hand it to him. Um, He blesses it and puts it back around your shoulders. Actually, you hold it in namaste pose. He takes it from your hand. After he put the scarf on, the kata on, he hugged me, mm. and I have never in my life experienced a hug quite like this. So it's I describe it as being like when you, when the person you have a crush on in junior high school kisses you on the cheek, and you think, oh, I'll never wash again. Well, I, I washed since that a few times. You know, we're talking about two thousand and eight. So he guided us over to um, it was like a little love seat, and he was sitting in a chair arms length away from me. And that's important because when he wanted to make a point, he'd pat me on the arm.
1: Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show.
0: And I asked him questions like, what do you do to take care of yourself?
1: You know, you've mm-hmm. got a
0: lot of, uh, of activity. And again, at the time, he's 75 years old. So he said at the end of my day, before I before I even eat dinner, I, I go to bed at like 4.30, 5 o'clock. And then he woke up at something like two or three in the morning and he'd meditate or pray. Then he'd eat breakfast and start his day. And even at that point, he was more, you know, le- less a governmental, um, you know, less governmental responsibility, more spiritual mm-hmm. responsibility. And the answers were, were very human. He talked about how he gets angry sometimes. He talked about kindness. He talked about nurturing. Um, he talked about connection with people. And that's what I was looking for. You know, people already know the other stuff. You Mm -hmm. know, that he's, you know, the leader of a government in exile since like 1958, since probably like the year I was born that he had to leave um, Tibet. So it was just, I felt like I was talking to a kindred spirit and I, you know, it was a remarkable experience.
1: At the moment, did you think those questions kind of surprised him? By any chance or was it, you know, because that's not the normal fair of question that he probably would have gotten. So right. did that help with the responses being more human, do you think?
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, he was probably accustomed. I, th- I might even have warned him. I might have said, these are not going to be your typical Q&A. Things that I'm going to be asking you, um, you know, I want to I want to get to know you as a human being. And the other reporter asked him the typical Q&A. Right. Stuff. So, you know, left that up to David. And yeah, I really felt like I could have spent hours just talking to him. And he actually gave us 45 minutes, more yeah. than a half an hour. Um, so, it, and I got through all of my questions. He let me ask all the questions.
1: That's, a, that's an incredible experience for sure. When you were done with it and, you, you know, you could sit there and say, yeah, I you know, waited 20 years, but it was worth it. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was it inside you? How were you feeling when you walked away from that interview?
0: Um, I was floating. Now at the time I was working in a psychiatric hospital and I have no clue except that I'm a workaholic why I didn't take the whole day off (laughs) because I went back to work in, you know, as a social worker in a psychiatric hospital and one of the doctors there um, knew I was going to be doing the interview. He says, you look like you've been laminated, you know, like (laughs) Dalai Lama because I was just floating and I had to have the article into my editor by nine o'clock that night So I started writing the article in my head while I was working with my patients. I hate to say it, but I was multitasking at the time. So I wrote the article, um, sent it to the editor, and he went back and forth and made changes until midnight. So at midnight, he said, "Okay, this is good. I went back to bed. I woke up at like three or four in the morning and to check online to see if it had come out. I didn't see it online. So I called the local. "Do Do you have Wawa stores where you are? like no. a 7-Eleven. It's, no, it's no. a convenience hmm. store. It's like a Philly-based kind right. of place. And I called the one around the corner for me. I said, is the Intel out? Yes. Can you look and see if there's an article about the Dalai Lama on the cover? Yes. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll be right there. So I jumped in the car p- with my PJs on, <laughs> picked up the paper, and then I went thud because the front page, the, the bulk of the page, three quarters of the page, was an article about backyard wrestling. And the and it said something like WrestleManiacs. One column to the right of it and a little bit on the inside. And the title, I had to laugh about it, was The Dalai Lama Urges Nurturing next to an article about <laughs> backyard wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't my interview the way I intended. It was a news story. There yeah. was no heart to it. So um, I called a dear friend who was living in san francisco at the time and he was a, up late anyway and you know so I, I was crying on the phone and he said excuse my language f the you know f the article you got to interview the dalai lama right who's who gets to do that
1: <laughs> you know? yeah I, I mean it, it is a sort of a private audience you know even though yeah. there's intention there mm-hmm. of some kind of article coming out but you still it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i can't even imagine what that would be like
0: well, but the good the good thing is that um, they wanted me that you know His Holiness and, and his people that organized it um, said we want you to write as many articles as you can from this interview. So what I'll do if I haven't already sent it to you, I'll, I'll send you the link, or if you want to put it in the show notes, yeah, so great. people can actually read the art the article, read the interview. That's different from what was in the newspaper.
1: Uh, That's cool. I'm glad that that you got both experiences having the audience, but also being able to get what you wanted to write out (laughs) there. I think that's important. Edie, what did this experience, you know, looking back at it, what did it do, you know, inside you to be transformative to your life after it it took place?
0: Right. Now it's interesting you say that because it's like before Dalai Lama, after Dalai Lama. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It taught me that people should never, ever, ever give up on their dreams even Mm -hmm. if it seems impossible, even if it seems like pie in the sky. So it taught me that I can do anything. And it it also taught me the value of teamwork. I didn't do this on my own. My friend Greg arranged it. If I hadn't been friends with him for, I forget how many years prior to that, this wouldn't have happened. So I think about if not for, so if not for my friendship with him, this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. If not for my service work, promoting this, it wouldn't have happened because he he told the people who were organizing it um even though he was the event producer other people were bringing his holiness in and he told them that you know I was somebody who would the the interview would be in good hands yeah. that I was somebody even though I'm not a buddhist um is still value and promote what his holiness is about so they they knew that and
1: in your life in general, you talked about uh, just a couple of minutes ago. You talked about how you can do anything you want. How's that manifested in your life today? Like, what are some of the things that you've done that you may have thought a while ago you you may mm-hmm. not have ever been able to a chance to do?
0: Right. Well, I published a book mm-hmm. um, called "The Bliss Mistress Guide to Transforming the Ordinary to the Extraordinary." And in fact, the article, the interview rather, is is one chapter in the book. Um, so I published a book. Um, I went to Ireland. And that was a bucket list item Uh, for my 60th birthday. I went on a trip knowing nobody Mm -hmm. on the tour tour group. Um, So in in 2018, I went to Ireland. Um, I survived a heart attack. Now that's not anything that I planned for. (laughs) That was in 2014. Um, I created a group called Hug Mobsters Armed with Love, which does free hugs around the world. Never planned on that. Um, That was serendipitous, but I've taken it all over the place, hugging thousands of people all over the world, including Ireland. I you know, I did free hugs in Ireland. Nice. And then the big one, the most recent one, October 1st of 2022, I stood on a stage um in Lima, Ohio, um, doing my first TEDx talk. There you so go. that was a biggie.
1: <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people it's it winds yeah. up on their list for sure. Yep. And it's and it's yep. tough to do. It's yeah, it's a defeat. And it can <laughs> be hard to make those things happen. I'm, Greatly admire and appreciate you talking about it takes time, right? It takes time and it, and not yep. just time, but sitting around hoping that things happen, but putting it out there, like you say, yep. the y- yay sayers. And I, and that's what I caution people, right? Is that you don't want to share your bucket list with dream killers because you know your chances of making it happen just decrease exponentially mm-hmm. if people say, oh, you can't do that or that's dumb or that's stupid. So finding people that are safe, I think is super important. It sounds like you did that with your
0: experience. Yeah. Yeah. And also I encourage people to be that for other people in your life. Exactly. If somebody comes to you and says, I have a dream of doing skydiving, don't tell them, oh, no, you'll never be able to do that. Or if they want to change careers, if they want to travel, if they want to start their own business, write a book, do a TEDx talk, tell them, you know, ask them, how can I support you in this? What can I do to help see you through this?
1: Yes. And that's the key. It's, it's easier to say, oh yeah, that's, it's just as easy to say, no, don't do that. That's crazy as it is to say, oh yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Go do it and not be supportive. Right. Sometimes people think that that's support and it's not, you, people need, like you say, to put it out there. And the more people that know that, you know, in a positive way that what you're doing and what your intention is, you know, the better off you are. It, what's something else that you want to cross off? It sounds like you've done a lot of stuff and you've crossed a lot of stuff off your list. What, what's left for you? What's something you want? to, <sighs>
0: want to What's left? <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And some of my friends say, can you just rest for a little? Bit? <laughs> can you just be? So I have another Ted talk in the works. Um, I've submitted that to different stages. Uh, what else would I like to do? It was something that I had in mind and it went right out my brain. Um, and that's a challenge. That was one of the fears that I had with during the TEDx talk was that I'm not going to remember stuff. So mm. if I can think of what it is, I'll let you know. Uh, but for me, just breathing and being is a bucket list item because I rarely do that.
1: Yeah. Get some rest can be on yeah. a bucket list. I think that's yeah, it.
0: That yeah, that's a good one. I'll <clears throat> put that on the list. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to do this. I'm grateful that I'm surrounded by supportive people and cheerleaders, both here. And, you know, I'm sure my parents are, are cheering for me too, That they're, you know, they've been really good supports and that they would be proud of of that. Um, You know, I would like to definitely interview some of the movers and shakers again um, beyond his, you know, beyond his holiness and just relax and enjoy life too, without having to rush through it.
1: There you go. Awesome. Eddie, where can people find you online and some of the things that you've mentioned already today?
0: Okay. Well, my website is optimistical.com, O-P-T-I hyphen mystical, M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-L.com. And where that name came from was either a meditation or a dream where the voice, which I hear, you know, the guidance, if you want to call it that, said, you're not just an optimist, you're an optimistic who <laughs> sees the world through the eyes of possibility. Awesome. So it's optimistical.com is my website. And I'm on Facebook, Ed Edie Weinstein, E-D-I-E-W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. My email address is by divine design, divine like God, like by divine design at comcast.net.
1: Awesome. We will put all those items in the show notes so that people can access them readily and get connected to you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it was definitely a pleasure listening to your story and seeing how sometimes when we think about things being way out there that they're they're closer than we think um they just may take longer to get there so thank you so much okay.